Hare Krishna. I hope you all feel very bouncy this morning after fasting and then feasting and Lord Nishingadev's appearance. Um, Srila Prabhupada says that we should always be wanting to hear the sound of Kirtan and the sound of Krishna's pastimes being described that it should be ever fresh for us. It should leave us wanting more, more, more. I was so sad that when Manu decided to finish the kirtan, I was thinking more, more. We could have gone on, couldn't we? Does everybody know Manu? Please a round of applause or shake your... Manu is the, Manu is the life and soul of Dublin. To those who've never been outside London, Dublin is a, a capital city of another country called Ireland. You may have seen it on the news. It's, it's on the other side there, over the other side of the water. Go there sometime. He'll be very happy to feed you Irish cooking. <laughs> um, so what is it about the pastimes of Krishna that make us wanting more and more and more? Because it's not just a story. Prabhupada celebrated Nishingadev's appearance day, of course, and um, and of course, Srila <laughs> Prabhupada. Prabhupada knew the story, and he told us the story, but he was sitting in the temple room, one particular temple, I forget which, and the devotees had arranged a play. And uh, they were using, maybe it was Rindavan, they were using a pillar in the temple um, and they'd put a bamboo screen around the pillar. So I'll give you three guesses what's going to happen at a certain point in the play of the appearance of Lord Nishingadev. Okay? What's going to happen? There's a pillar, and there's a bamboo screen that's around the pillar. There's obviously someone behind it. And yet, Prabhupada immersed himself so totally in that play that when the time came for the bamboo screen to open up and Lord Nishingadev Prabhupada jumped in his seat. Now, what's going on there? Was he surprised? <laughs> How could you be surprised? You know the story already. You know there's a pillar. You know that at some point in the story, who's going to come out of the pillar? And it should be no shock to you who comes out of that pillar because you've told all your disciples the story. Not only that, you've heard the story since you were a child. It's one of the first stories told to children. Okay. So how was he? How was he? Oh, how, did, how did he jump? Why did he jump? Because the story is ever fresh. The story is ever fresh. And ever fresh means ever surprising also. You know, we should be in a position where we are actually surprised that someone comes out of a pillar. Gosh, imagine that. Somebody came out of a pillar. Half man, half lion. That's surprising. I, never, I would never have guessed. <laughs> but the only way that you can place yourself in that situation is if, you, is if you've actually um, been given some insight into the ever-freshness, the Navayovanam quality of Krishna. Because everything about Krishna is Navayovanam. It's always ever-youthful, ever-fresh. Um, otherwise, it's a story. It's just a story. You go and see any other 
movie or you read any other book, and it's it's pretty much you know, especially if you go and see an Indian movie, you know what's going to happen. Boy, girl, rich rich boy, poor girl, evil uncle. Okay, you know what's going to happen, don't you? Rich girl, poor boy, evil dad. Okay, and you know you know what's going to happen. You know that there's going to be a a dream sequence. Okay. And they're going to be on the beach and they're going to change costume at least four times during that number. You know that, you know what's going to happen. And then, but you're not disappointed. And why is that ever fresh? <laughs> well, the material world can seem ever fresh because as Shakespeare said, hope springs eternal. I didn't get what I wanted yesterday, but you know, today's a new day. Today's a new day. It's a new dawn. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy today. Okay? And Krishna says that only, um, you know, Vasudev Sarvamiti, only when you know that he is everything. And that point only comes. When, what, what's the line before that? Bahunam Janmanamante. Yes, after many, many births, only after many, many births, only after many, many marriages can you understand that marriage does not give you happiness. Right? How, how many marriages does it take before you understand that marriage cannot bring you happiness? How many? Well, Krishna says, Bahunam. <laughs> huh? After many, many of them, that having children, that being someone in this material world, even being, um, you know, head of the FBI... In America. Okay? Those of you who watch the news, he's just lost his job this morning. So it doesn't bring you any happiness. But you have to be convinced. But it's not convinced intellectually. It's not convinced logically. It's not convinced emotionally. It's the conviction that comes, such as a child's conviction, when they touch a naked flame. And the mother, up to that point, has said, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. Hot, hot. So one of the first thing you tell your children is hot, hot, it's hot. Okay. But the word hot doesn't convey the realization heat. Doesn't, it doesn't give you the realization hot. Only the realization, ouch, that gives you the realization of what hot is. Otherwise hot is just a, 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 it's just a meaning. It's just a sound vibration with no meaning. But when you burn yourself, then you have the realization. So when you burn yourself millions of times, millions of times, trying to enjoy the material world, only that point when you begin looking. And then Krishna says you begin looking in three ways. He says that, uh, he says your own mind becomes your guru. Your own mind becomes your guru and you, you start looking at the world in a different way. You start looking at the world as the cause of suffering. But does that mean you become morbid? No, because any philosopher, any philosopher, any theologian begins at that point. Good morning, Vijay. Hare Krishna. Any, any philosopher starts at that point. Why can I not be happy? Unless you've reached that point, the magic doesn't begin to happen. Carry on. Carry on. Carry on. Not two miles from here, three miles from here, 
is the scene of the, it's the BBC television center where they record EastEnders. Everybody, everybody in the country except the Hare Krishna movement watches EastEnders. Huh? They're all wondering what's going to happen next. We, somebody should tell them. It's, it's a made-up story. It's not real. <laughs> and when you go to the television studio, as I took my mother one time because she's, a, she's an EastEnders fan, so I took her to a devotee's house, and the devotee's house overlooks the, the set. Only the fronts of the buildings are real, and the back is just propped up. The back is just propped, it's just propped up with sticks, with timber, but it looks very real from one side, from the other side... It's a complete, you see, oh, it's just, it's not real at all. And when you're standing on one side, that is the materialist. And when you're standing on the side and you can see, this is the illusion that's being presented and this is the reality, that is the philosopher. And that's where it begins. So Krishna says, when it begins, your mind starts working these things. He's discussing with Uddhava. The second thing then he says, and then everything in the world starts telling you about the illusion of the material world. That doesn't mean it's not real. It just means that there can be no happiness here. As and finally, then that person comes who is the, the embodiment of all those lessons and gives you those lessons. The, the teacher arrives, the sadhu. So then um, he tells the story of uh, uh, the Navyogendras appearing to King Nimi. And the Navyogendras begin by describing that, you know, the, the time when you, uh, when we arrive, because Narada Muni or the Navyagendras, they, they have like a, an internal radar, you know, okay? Little boy lost in the forest. He wants to get a kingdom the same as his father. You know, okay, I'll fly down there. And Narada Muni flies down there. He's not like you or I. One time devotees came to Prabhupada and they said, um, Prabhupada, how is it that we sometimes see that big devotees fall down? He says, they are not big devotees. He said, Narada Muni is a big devotee. <laughs> so Narada Muni, not only, he's, you know that time when you're out on book distribution and you see someone, or the, your, uh, your the Paramatma super soul gives you the realization. That man who's just coming out of, you know, um, Tesco's over there, he would take a book. And you actually physically cross the street to meet that person because there's something about them, there's some energy about them. And then that person says to you, I've been waiting such a long time to meet you people. This is just what I've been thinking about this week. I mean, this, this is crazy, you know, this is just a, some crazy coincidence that you're here in my town today. No, it's that the Lord made him aware, the Lord made you aware, and on that day... You met. It's quite incredible. So Narada Muni has that to the ultimate degree. The little boy lost in the woods, wants a kingdom just like his father's, but he's been rejected by his father, the king. Let me go and preach to him. So he knows exactly, the, but he never wastes time. This is the thing about Narada Muni. He's the best preacher. If you're an incompetent preacher, you're wasting time all the time, isn't it? Wasting time. And there's that moment that you've been wasting time for about 10 minutes. And then the person says, well, what I really want to tell you is that in John 3.16, the Lord says, and then something happens to you. The blood drains from your face and you think, oh, no, that's 10 minutes I've spent with this person. Okay. So maybe it wasn't a waste of time. Maybe they, maybe they do come.
we now have one um, uh, Keshava Bharati Maharaj just initiated someone who's an assistant to the Dean of Lincoln Cathedral. <laughs> so it does happen. And we have two Catholic priests who are also initiated in South America. It does happen. Okay? So, you, people, so it's not a waste of not a complete waste of time. But if you're a really competent preacher, you'll know where to go and who to speak to. Because Krishna himself will direct you, but you have to be in touch. You have to be in touch with Krishna. You have to say the Savyasashtin prayer. Let me be an instrument. Let me be an instrument. Just show me where to go. Show me where to go. Okay? That's a good thing for you, Minikain, isn't it? <laughs> show me where to go. <laughs> what do I do next? What do I do next? Until you come to that point of uttering that prayer, my dear Lord, I cannot do this. Eka kiyamara nahipai bolo harinam sankirtan. I'm out here all alone. I can't do this by myself. You know? And Krishna says, well, I never said that you could. Why has it taken so long for you to turn to me in your preaching? I could have helped you. I could have saved you a lot of time and energy. But now thank you for turning to me. So this point where we're, we're brought to the point where we're crushed, and then we turn to Krishna, this should happen a lot in your life. Okay, I'm not wishing it. I'm not wishing you to have to go through the point of being crushed. But at the same time, we know that we are so reluctant to surrender to Krishna that we have to have a lot of mini-surrenders. It's called, it's called a, you know, a higher purchase scheme. You know, you, you don't pay everything at once. You pay in little installments. You pay in little installments because we're very, very reluctant. Vedanta Deshika says, I'm just, my dear Lord, he says, I'm the, you, you are the bird catcher and I am the bird. You've already caught me and there's a string around my leg. He said, and you're pulling me. He said, and I keep flying away. But my dear Lord, just do one thing for me. I'll keep flying away, uh, but you keep pulling. This is his prayer. This is the reluctant. So we are reluctant devotees of Krishna. We must be. Uh, otherwise we would be in tears every time someone just said the words, Hare Krishna. So in Prabhupada's case, every day was a, a new adventure. But not hope in the material world, but uh, newness in perceiving his relationship with Krishna. You already know, you already know what's going to happen. I was lucky enough to, to be sitting bes right beside Prabhupada. The only time I got to sit right beside Prabhupada was when he was watching a play of the, the Ramayana. Everybody, who doesn't know the story of the Ramayana? You know, prince, princess, ogre. Okay? Princess is stolen. Prince goes looking for princess. Defeats ogre, returns triumphant. It's an archetypal story. However, when it's set in the Ramayana, I mean, it is. Otherwise, you know, we, let's not kid ourselves. It's a, it's a, you know. But at the same time, it's the best story. Because when God comes, he wants the story that surrounds his activities to attract you. And so it's the best story. And it's best if we enter into that uh, pastime. Kula Shekhar entered into that pastime. And he got so riled up 
when he heard that Sita had been stolen, that he commanded his army to leave the palace. You know, so thousands of thousands of warriors on horseback with swords and shields and provisions they left to go to fight in Lanka because they'd been ordered by their king because someone had been reading the Ramayana to the king and they'd reached that point in the story. So that happened too many times. So then they said, okay, we'll read the Ramayana to King Kulasheka, but we won't read that point where Sita gets captured. Let's skip that part. So all was well. And the king's ecstasies weren't, you know. But then they got to a point where, you know, there was a young Brahmin who came to the court. And of course, everybody loves a young Brahmin. And he was very expert at speaking the Ramayana. Okay? We like inviting people who are good Qatar speakers, don't we? <laughs> so especially if they're young and fresh, and a lot of fresh enthusiasm. And so he's speaking his Qatar. And he gets to the point where Sita's been kidnapped by uh, Ravan. And immediately the king said, I told you that would happen. And he jumps up and he orders his army. And they try to. So then what they had to do was they had to take half the army and they had to meet the army as it was leaving the palace. And they had to come and they said, Your Majesty, Your Majesty, we've defeated Lanka. We've defeated Ravana. Ravana's dead. Sita's been reunited with Ram and they've all gone back to Ayodhya. And he says, Yes, yes, victory to Ram. <laughs> so we're dealing with people who, uh, for them, the veil, this invisible veil between this world and the, the real world, between the world of illusion and the world of reality, has been uh, crossed. And we're going to hear a little bit like that uh, now. Because today is the appearance day of Madhavendra Puri. Now Madhavendra Puri is a great saint, and for many reasons, he is really one of the most important persons in our uh, lineage. Very, very important. He was the guru of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's guru, Ishwara Puri. He was the guru of uh, guru of uh, Keshava Bharati, who gave Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sanyas, he was the guru of uh, Raghavendra Puri, who was the guru of Ramananda Roy. And in this way, if you trace Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings, you will find that all lines lead to Madhavendra Puri. Not only that, he was the he was the guru of Advaita Acharya. So from his very birth in Navadvip. The leader of the Vaishnav community in uh, Navadvip was uh, Advaita Acharya. So then there's birth, initiation, taking sannyas, and on and on. So we see these influences there. Now, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. He's Radha Krishna combined. So when he comes, he has no need of initiation. He has no need of Shastra. He has no need of belonging to any community. And he has no need of a sampradaya, no need of a parampara, no need of any of these things. He's completely swarat, completely independent. He can, uh, he can start a religion. And still everybody would have followed that religion. But when God himself comes to start a religion, he's very, very careful to support 
and uphold the structure by which, by which all religion is maintained. And that is initiation, the guru, the shastra, the community of sadhus, the parampara, the sampradaya. All these things must be in place. It's not that God himself becomes a servant, but he becomes um, very conscious that unless he does these things, other people will be tempted not to. Because it's very troublesome. Initiation is very troublesome. Having a guru is very troublesome. You have to do what you're told. So nowadays in Iskand, there's a new phenomenon. I'll have a guru that doesn't tell me what to do. This is the new idea. Okay. First idea is I won't have a guru. Okay. Well, we sort of tried that one for 20 years. And people writing papers and printing magazines and getting into punch-ups at Rathiatra. You know, I'll have no guru. Okay. And the new idea is to have a guru that doesn't tell me anything. And the guru may have a, an idea, a new idea, that uh, I'll have a disciple that doesn't ask me anything. Then everybody's happy. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that's not the guru-shishya-sambandh. That's not the connection. But that's troublesome. Because I have to go in front of someone periodically and I have to bow down. I mean, I'm a middle-aged man, for God's sake. I have three children. I'm the, I'm the CEO of my company. You know, I go off to work every day and I've got a very nice car, thank you very much, and a very nice salary. And I have to bow down in front of someone. Someone who never even went to university. Okay? Someone <laughs> who hasn't got a couple of pennies to rub together. I have to bow down in front of him and get directions on him how to lead my life. I don't think so. Okay? So it's very troublesome, isn't it? It's very troublesome. It's very troublesome to belong to a community. Because any religious community that you belong to, it says that 20% of the, 20% of the community will disappoint you. I was told, we, we have many, many people come here for visits, you know, and there was a Jewish community that had come from, uh, Boreham Wood. And many of them had just up sticks from Bournemouth which is many miles away, 70 miles away, where there's a big Jewish community. But they'd left the community and they'd come and they'd settle down here. And I asked them, why did you do that? He said, because we, we, we couldn't stand the rabbi. The community had been completely divided by the rabbi. But I talked to church people as well, Christian people. And they say, the old priest, he was very nice. But the new priest, you know, half of us don't like him. Well, get used to this phenomenon. Because this happens in our community too. This guru, everybody likes him. And this, half of the others, you know, they don't, they don't like. This temple president, half of them are saying that he's really, really good. And the other half saying, why was he appointed to, I, I just can't understand the GBC. Why did they appoint him as temple president? You see? But it is human nature to always find some fault in any community like that. So the community is troublesome. Belonging to a community is troublesome. He said, she said, do you know what happened? Do you know what happened? What I heard the other day was he's not everything that you think he is. Because I read on the internet that he said this and she, and she said that. Okay? So there is always that in any community. So it's troublesome. Much better to practice spiritual life on your own. Please hear me. Much better to be 
somewhere on your own, maybe a mountain, okay, and just have a couple of sets of cloth, okay, and maybe a cat to keep away the mice that are eating your... <laughs> uh, you know where that story is going, don't you? And maybe, maybe we need then some milk for the cat, so maybe just one cow. And of course, Srila Prabhupada said an acre of land. Maybe we just have an acre of land. And of course, we have to put a fence around the land so the gypsies don't come and buy their caravans. Uh, so maybe I need someone to milk the cow because every time the cow goes, I need to milk the cow. So maybe, all right, I'll get married. At least it's, it's bona fide. It's not, you know. Well, then now I need a house. Well, maybe just a small one. <laughs> Welcome, my friend. To the world of entanglement, doesn't it? The world of entanglement. One thing leads to the other, to the other, to the other. You cannot stop the process. You cannot stop the process. Um, therefore, um, in spiritual life, you have to have a place to come together for the community. You have to have a place where you can worship together. Kirtan means that one person plays the drum, one person plays the cartels, one person, maybe he can sing, one person plays the djembe and other assorted African instruments. No, I'm sorry, that's not what we do. No. Um, so different people play and sing in different ways, and that's called sankirtan. That's the process for the age, but you need a place to do it. If you're not doing it in Bengal, then you need a place to protect you from the rain. If it becomes popular, just like yesterday, Yesterday I was chatting with Gerada and he was saying, do you remember the, f the first time we did this children's bathing of Nishingadev? And I said, yes, there wasn't very many people came. There was maybe 20, 30 people. Now, Prana, <laughs> it's like the, we had to stop the queue and there was many disappointed people. Because anything that's popular, and Krishna is always popular to an ever-expanding group of people, anything that's popular will become greater and greater numbers. So that means you have to have a place to put people. And if you invite people to come and see Krishna, you have to feed them. So you need a kitchen. Okay? Forget, forget the mice, forget the cat. We're long past that now. So in order to do everything that we need to do, we need a Haveli. It, it's not just that we want one, that we'd like one, or that Pranabandhu thought it would be a good idea or that one particular aspect of the community thought it would be a good idea, we absolutely require more space. If it was India, no problem. Everything outdoors. Weddings outdoors, fire yogis outdoors, christenings outdoors, you know, anaprashna outdoors, everything. Funerals outdoors, everything outdoors, no problem. Smoke goes up to the sky, no problem. But in a country where it rains nine days out of ten, and where it's cold, 9.5 days out of 10, you need a place for people to sit down. So we need, we need that place. So as a community, we, you know, this is our next, this is our next goal. Okay. Sorry, I got carried away there. I saw Prana in the audience and I got carried away. So Madhavendrapuri, Madhavendrapuri did not have these problems. He didn't need a Haveli. He just sat under a tree. Why did he sat, sat under a tree? Because when you're chanting japa for so long each day, you may doze off, okay? And uh, he would doze off and, uh, uh, and, and it would make sure that the tree would give, you some, would give you some warmth. 
So um, the point about Madhavendra Puri is that his his speaking was uh, uh, well. Uh, if you analyze his poetry, you can see some elements of the. Uh, we 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 build on layers. So where devotion to Krishna is concerned, we all build on successive generations. So there are elements of the poetry of Madhavendra Puri which come from earlier writings, the poetic style and certain phrases. But um, he's the first person in the Madhva line to uh, discuss prema, to discuss prema, the sense of uh, love of Krishna and the sense of, even higher than that, the vipralamba seva, the separation from Krishna. So before his time, it was not done in the Madhva line. And um, the reason why that's important for us is, is because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is indicating by who he chooses to become initiated by, um, even when you're bringing a new message, you're bringing a new message, his was a new message, but you look for the person who's already captured that message and you take shelter of that uh, line. So he's indicating that um, despite the, the problems of community and sampradaya and parampara and guru shishya sambandh, that these things are absolutely essential for the spiritual journey. And troublesome as they are, we also have to uh, undertake them. It is troublesome maintaining a temple. It's troublesome. And we could all have much easier time if we didn't have a temple to maintain. Okay? I'd have a much easier life if I didn't have to wash my, my bead bag or my dhoti every couple of days. Right? But these are the things that we do. Everything requires repetition and everything requires some trouble, some time taken to invest. Temples are heavy time investments. So here, he's saying, um, he's saying, um, he's got these wonderful prayers, and these are prayers of his resignation. And he's resigning from the things that a Brahmin is known to do. Every Brahmin in India, you know, you use this word from the top of India, from the Himalayas, from Badrikashram, all the way down to Kanyakumari, all the way out to Rameshwaram, all the way over to Dwarka you'll find a Brahmin and you'll say the magic words, Sandhyabandhanam, and he'll know what, exactly what you're talking about. And maybe his guru has taught him a slightly different way, but it involves the one mantra that everybody knows, the Gayatri Mantra, chanted three times, uh, three times daily, and uh, the rituals involved and uh, the procedures involved will be um, very common to all of them. And a sannyasi, it said that a grihasta is supposed to have a bath twice a day. A brahmachari can have a bath only once a day. But a sannyasi absolutely must have a bath three times a day. That's, that's the thing. So sannyasi is troublesome. These are the things that you have to do. You can't take half the chicken. Okay? You can't take the good part of the chicken and leave the bad part of the chicken. You want to be a sannyasi three times a day. You bathe. This is good for the consciousness. So here, Madhavendrapuri, and we must date him, he passed away, he passed away when uh, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was only four years old. 
So he's around the 1420 birth and 1490 passing away. So he's saying here <clears throat> that uh, goodbye my morning bath, my demigods and my forefathers, please excuse me, I won't be able to do these things for you. I won't be able to do, because part of the, the bath isn't just that you have a bath. That's like saying, well, I read the Ramayana already. It's just a story. There's a prince and a princess and an ogre. There's a battle and everybody's happy at the end. I understand the Ramayana. It's like I went to give a talk the other day at the South Bank Center in London and one Indian gentleman was on the front row and he was listening very attentively. And he said, may I ask a question? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, um, over the past six weeks, I've studied all the Vedas. <laughs> and I thought, oh dear, <laughs> one of those. I've studied all the Vedas, everything I've studied over the past six weeks. So um, in uh, our uh, traditions, it is not simply that you have a bath, but there are rituals that go along with bathing because a bath is not just water on the skin. It is meant to elevate the consciousness, but only elevate the consciousness if you do it in conjunction with chanting mantras. So you chant mantras while you're having the bath. Okay. So then part of those mantras when you do your Sunday Abandonam is to do Tarpana. Tarpana means to say prayers for your ancestors, to say prayers for the demigods. Every Sampradaya has got its way that it does this. Our Tarpana is Bandeham Shiguru Shiyuta Parakamalam Shigurun Vaishnavamscha. This is our Tarpana. We're praising those persons that are most important to us. Um, <clears throat> but here he's excusing himself. He's saying, my dear ancestors, I won't be able to do this anymore. My dear demigods, please excuse me. I bid you goodbye. Now I've decided to free myself from all reactions to sins simply by remembering anywhere and everywhere the great descendant of Yadu and the great enemy of Kamsa. I think that this is sufficient. I think that this is sufficient for me. So what is the use of further endeavors? Now, we can't say this. Okay? We cannot say this. If someone comes down tomorrow morning and he's standing there, a daily greeting, and you get this, you know, this smell and you say, Prabhuji, um, sorry, sorry to say this. I don't know if they say this in India, but we say this in this country. Prabhu, you know, little problem there. You know, can I speak to you privately? <laughs> He said, no. He said, I've said goodbye. I haven't had a shower. I live in the ashram, but I haven't had a shower for the past three days. Because I had a class on Madhavandrapuri, and he said, goodbye, my morning bath. Goodbye, my bath. So we cannot say that. The only person that can say that is an avaduta. An avaduta, one translation, is he who does not bathe. Okay? That's why avadutas are non-sociable. Okay? Not, there's no social interaction. Therefore, you cannot say, oh, such and such Swami, <clears throat> he is uh, he's a little bit, uh, you know, avaduta. Sometimes we say that in ISKCON, don't we? Or sometimes Maharaj, Maharaj is, is like this, but he's a little bit avaduta. No, you're either an avaduta and you don't bathe and no one can predict what you're going to do, okay? And you appear to a, like a madman. Or you're within the Varnashram system and you're a sannyasi and you behave yourself. You cannot mix. It's a sabji, 
with rice, with dal, not kichiri. Abaduta means kichiri, everything mixed up. Sanyas means mariyad, mariyad. It's the sabji is different from the, kit, the, the rice, and the rice and the sabji are different from the, okay? Vijay, if someone came to your restaurant, Vijay runs a restaurant, very popular, very successful restaurant. Now, if someone came to your restaurant and they said, I'll have a number 22 with a number 13 with extra rice with lemon, okay? And then you gave it to them in a broken dish, okay? And the, the sabji was on top of the rice and the dal was on, right on, poured on top of the sabji and you couldn't make out anything. What would they say to you? They they would say, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> they say, everything is mishri. Everything is mixed together. So this is Abaduta life. You don't know whether he's asleep or whether he's awake. You don't know whether he's bathed or unbathed. You don't know sometimes whether he's a worshiper of Shiva or Vishnu or Brahma or Durga or Kali. You can't tell. You can't tell. He was just Puggle. He might be Puggle. He might not be. That's why he's in our village. Get out of our village. That's why the children normally chase the Abaduta out of a village. Sometimes he's wandering naked. Okay. Okay. So far we haven't tried that. Krishna West we have tried. But this is, but this is Krishna, Krishna Digambar. <laughs> Krishna, no clothing. Dressed only by the wind, by the directions. What's it called? Digambar. <laughs> His clothing is the directions. This is Avaduta. But he has a place in society. That's why when Sukadev Goswami walked past the young ladies who were bathing, they just carried on. But when Vyasadev walked past the ladies who were bathing, they said, no, he's a Grihasta. Therefore, he has Mariyad. Therefore, we should cover ourselves. Okay? The Avaduta walks by, no, he's a child. But there's a difference. So here's Madhavandrapuri say, I'm sorry. I can't do these things anymore. No, no big. Now for us, it's no big deal. But for him, this is a really big deal. But this is his prayer. Since I've discovered Krishna, this is how I feel. Now, Madhavandrapuri, he went on to see Krishna personally in a dream. And Krishna told him that uh, I am lying buried. Please dig me up. Uh, I was hidden there. You know the story. I'm not going to tell the story again. But he installed Krishna on the hill at Govardhan, and in about 16, 1672, Aurangzeb came. There's a furori in India at the moment. Uh, I saw this book at the airport when I was in India in January. There's a new book about Aurangzeb. And this Western author, she says, No, Aurangzeb, he only destroyed maybe, do- maybe a dozen temples. Maybe a dozen temples. We only have proof. And because she's at a Western university, people go, oh, yeah, that's right. Because she's from the West, she's American, she writes, yeah, or European. And then, oh, Rangzaboni destroyed. Hundreds of thousands of temples were destroyed by this man. Why is everybody running? Everybody running in fear. So they had to place the deity in the barge and go down the Yamuna to Agra. And from Agra, they went by cart. Now, maybe Prabhuji, they told the story. One story is that they went to Mewar, Mewar, and the cart stuck in the mud. But recently, just last year, I went to Nathdwar, and they said, no, no, the cart sticking in the mud was here. You know? No, no. So you can go, and uh, they said, yes, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came here, and he paid obeisances to this cart. Uh, 
So the cart that the deity came on is still there. So the cart stayed there. Now you go and you have darshan of the deity. So if you're from Gujarat, you will know the uh, beautiful form of now Nathji. But before he was known as Gopal. So this story is there. But Madhavandrapuri, um, he was, uh, Gopal at one time told him, he said, I'm feeling, two years went by. He said, I'm feeling very hot. Can you bring me some chandan? Now, there's no chandan in Vrindavan. In fact, not a lot grows in Vrindavan. He said, there's lots of thorns. That's why you go on Govardhan Parikrama. You won't find many luscious fruit trees. Uh, you won't find, these days at least, you, you, it's very, you have to watch out for thorns, don't you, when you go around Vrindavan, especially if you're walking bare feet. Even if you're not walking bare feet, the thorns will go right through your flip-flops. So um, there's no, no chandan, no sandalwood. So for that, he had to go to Puri. And on the way through Puri, he stopped off at the place known as Remuna. He stopped off at the Gopinath Temple. And uh, he was thinking, well, I'd like to offer Gopal some nice sweet rice. They do sweet rice very nicely here. And then he made what he thought was a mistake. I wonder what it tastes like. I wonder what they tell me that there's a local dish that is very nice. They make very nice kheer. And they offer this kheer to the Lord, and I wonder why it is so famous. Why is it so nice? And then he thought, wow. He thought, wow. That's my Hindi. Wow. <laughs> so he thought, Aribapri, he thought. He said, why have I... Uh, he said, why have I thought of the Lord's offering before the Lord has accepted it? And he was feeling very crestfallen. And he went out into the marketplace. And that night, the Pujari also had a dream. And Gopinath came to him and he said, there's a sadhu in the marketplace. Go find him and give him some sweet rice. You'll find the sweet rice behind my leg. And so he, the Pujari woke up, as you do if you've had a dream of Krishna. You ever had a dream of Krishna? Huh? You wake up, don't you? You have a dream of Krishna, you wake up. You go, oh, oh, that was nice. Oh, I'm try, I'll try and go back to sleep. Oh, I can't go back to sleep. <laughs> it's only one o'clock in the morning. Okay, I better get up. I'm feeling rather enlivened. <laughs> so the Pujari got up and uh, he went and he found the sweet rice. And he gave the sweet rice. He said, Madhavandrapuri, he's a sadhu here named Madhavandrapuri. And uh, Madhavandrapuri took that rice and he took the pot and every day he would just eat a little fraction of the pot. But then he got the sandalwood and he got everything that he needed and he came back and he stopped off at Ramuna and then he had another dream that the Lord says, you don't have to bring it all the way back to Vrindavan, you can place it on me here. You see? Did I get the story right? I hope so. So um, this story Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told when he went to uh, when he went to um, Puri for the first time. He told that uh, he told that story. So now um, Madhavendra Puri, I, I just want to read to you how important he is. He is a disciple of Lakshmi Pati Tirtha, who is in our list of. 32 names, uh, and he's a disciple of Madhva, Madhvacharya. Madhvacharya is the disciple of Achyuta Preksha. 
And he's the guru of Advaita Acharya, Pundarik Vidyanidhi, okay? Paramananda Puri, Sri Rangapuri, Brahmananda Puri, Brahmananda Bharati, Keshava Bharati, Krishnananda Puri, Ramachandra Puri, Sri Narsinga Puri, Narsinga Tirtha, Sri Nityananda Prabhu, and Sri Ishwara Puri, Ragupati Upadhyay, and Sri Sukhananda Puri. Now, he's also the guru of Ramananda Roy's guru, Raghavendra Puri, and um, also Vishnu Puri. Uh, Vishnu Puri was the one who went to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and said, um, my Lord, is there any service I can do for you? And he said, yes, bring me a casket of jewels. And he understood the meaning because he was a poet, he said. So he went away and he brought him the choicest jewels of poetry from the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he put that together in the form of the Bhakti Ratnavali. Very nice book if you can get it. So why so many puris? Why so many puris? The only time we see so many puris is at a Sunday feast. Okay? We never have any Iskan sannyasi called Puri, is it? Um, so Puri is one of the names of uh, one of the names of the clan of uh, the uh, uh, ten ten names were given by Shankaracharya. Now there is a story that connects the name uh, of the Bharati clan of sannyasis who were registered at Shingeri uh, with um, Lord Nishingadev. And it's a very interesting story. But I'm not going to tell it to you. But basically, Shankaracharya had an argument or a debate with one uh, 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 person. His wife was named Bharati. And he was defeating this person. Was his name Mandana Mishra? Mandana Mishra. And so he was defeating Mandana Mishra, and the wife saw, oh, my husband is becoming defeated by this sadhu. And so then uh, when the husband was faltering in his, because it went on for many days, and the husband was a bit flummoxed, as we say in England. So the wife said, is it true that the wife is Ardangini, the better half of the husband? Shankaracharya said, yes. He said, well, let, let me debate with you. Huh? And he said, well, I'm a sannyasi, but, uh, you know, you've quoted Shastra, so you are the other half of your husband's body, so, you know, you can debate. Okay? So not only was the husband a guru, but the wife was guru also. So she was debating with Shankaracharya. And then she came to a point where she started, she said, now I want to debate the Dharma Shastras. I want to debate the benefit of married life. So Shankaracharya said, well, that's not fair. He said, I'm... I've never been married. <laughs> I'm a sannyasi who's never been married, so I, I don't know anything about these things. So then he said, give me some time and I'll come back and we can continue the discussion. So he went and he inhabited the body of a materialistic man. The body that he had was about to be burned. Uh, he was learning everything from the man's memory banks. And then just as the body was about to be burned, he woke up and he called out to Narasimha to save him. And then he, he wrote a beautiful uh, stuti, Narasimha stuti, um, 
श्री नरसिंहा करावलंबम रीच आउट माय लॉर्ड इन व्हिच ही यूजेस मेनी मेनी मेटाफोर्स फॉर समसारा सो आई एम बर्निंग इन समसारा आई एम ड्राउनिंग इन समसारा देयर इज अ फॉरेस्ट फायर ऑफ समसारा देयर इज अ डीप वेल ऑफ समसारा ही यूजेस अ डिफरेंट मेटाफोर इन ईच वर्स ही सेज प्लीज सेव मी सो अम it is said that bharati uh, anyway he was able to come back and debate these things so it is said that bharati the name bharati was created uh in honor of the female scholar and uh this was how the name bharati is there and um some scholars have said that actually in this particular school the shankarite school the brahmacharya's name is chaitanya so that the the scholars at least are trying to link how this came through this this line and in the madhvacharya community there's two uh, opinions one is that um, firstly sanyas is irrelevant cuz sanyas is like uh, you know it's like when we introduce prabhu ji or anybody from chaupati we say and he's iit and we raise the eyebrows and we expect a reaction this is all oh. because in india that's what happens all oh, your iit i didn't know what iit stood for so excuse me but the fact that he's been to iit does that have any bearing on his devotional caliber no none whatsoever it shows you though that he's a qualified educated person so the madhvacharya people they say that when madhavendra puri or any puri has the name puri it shows that he's a qualified educated person who's been initiated in that line and the shankarite line was like the oxford or cambridge of the day it means that you've been to a good school and you've been educated very nicely okay that's why everybody should behave themselves because people are watching because iskon is represented by your behavior not my behavior but your behavior okay so when people see something that you do and it affects all of us you see one iskon person does something bad and everybody says oh is this gone and in india particularly because they're always doing something good and eh, building another temple oh it's iskon iskon everybody wants to be iskon 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 ah iskon oh iskon and it's very good to be iskon okay see here we try to get away from the word iskon don't we okay is there hiding no 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 i'm nothing to do i am mantra therapy or where i come from the mantra mantra symposium i am from the vedic school of the academy of vedic arts okay we try and get away from it. but in india ishkan very happy to be ishkan okay so you can choose anyway puri he was very happy to be associated with the name puri so madhvacharya people say it doesn't doesn't matter it's it's a feather in his hat but don't don't worry now uh the and the some of the others they say that puri is like a trophy if you say that you're a puri but you're a bhakta it means that you've really understood that you've used all your education to become a devotee and in this sense this is why we say iit or this is why we say he went to cambridge okay he went to cambridge and then he became a devotee you see this is the other meaning of puri he went he followed the shankarite principles he learned everything possible from vedanta vedanta sutra and then he became a devotee of krishna 
Because otherwise people think, oh, you're a devotee of Krishna. Yes, nice, sentimental. Sentimental. It's for women, no? Your movement is for women mainly. Okay? And mainly for people who cry a lot. <laughs> well, for a few hundred years in Bengal, it was for people who cried a lot. But no, therefore, Prabhupada wanted, he, always, he would always say, the science of Krishna consciousness. Okay? Uh, the science of bhakti yoga. It is a science, Prabhupada would say. It meant that it's meant to be attractive for logical people. If we want people who cry, we could be a very big movement. Okay? It's very easy to find people who cry. But people who cry easily, they say, they're easy to cry, easy to dry. Okay? They cry very easily and then they don't. So this is, this is Puri. So there was a group of sannyasis who had taken to bhakti within the Shankarite line, one of whom was the famous Sridhar Swami. Sridhar Swami. He was also in that line, but he is accepted as the Swami by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You see, we have this, we have this again, Sridhar Swami, we have Raghavendra, we have uh, 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 Madhavendra Puri, we, 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 we have a picture building up here of why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came in that line. So Sridhar Swami, the dates I have are sort of 1350 to 1450, and he wrote the Bhavarata Deepika commentary to the Bhagavatam. Um, so all of this. Um, there is evidence, there's at least poetic evidence of some fragments of verses. And scholars have to look at these things, and it's interesting for us. It's not the, the clincher point, but it's interesting for us. There's some things which are coming from the Alwar's, from you know 600 AD, 900 AD, like that that period, they also crop up in the Krishna Karnamrita, his poetry style that also crops up in the poetry of Madhavendra Puri, and uh, it's interesting that you know it's not too far between you know Vrindavan and the south of India. People were making that trip, so influences are there. You know we should always think of influences. Um, someone said to me one time, uh, oh, that's another point, but when Prabhupada spoke English, he spoke it with a Scottish accent because of Scottish Church's college. And I said, no, that's not true. They said, no, you listen again. So I listened again. I thought, actually, it's true. It's actually true. Does it make a difference? No, it doesn't make a difference. But we see influences in how we speak English. I was sitting in front of Prabhupada one time in Mayapur, 1977, and Prabhupada, out of his mouth came, the boy stood on the burning deck. Yeah, the poet, poetry in your country, Coleridge, because he was commenting on the drought that had taken place in England in 1976. You're all too young to remember it. But there was absolutely no water in 1976. Talk about a hosepipe ban. We had to ration Everything, ration. The water was really, really rationed. There was just no water. So Prabhupada found this a little bit amusing. Of course, the Britain, he said, you are surrounded by the sea. You are surrounded by water, but still you have no water. He said, this is like okay, the ship where they'd killed the albatross. Okay, and the boy was standing on the with the albatross around his neck. You know the story? The, 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 the albatross is a... The wingspan is six foot wide, and you never kill one because it is said to bring luck to uh, sailors. 
because the albatross knows is a bird which knows how to fly across great, great oceans and can navigate. So if you're a sailor, the albatross is like the symbol of the power of navigation. But this boy, he didn't know anything, so he shot the albatross, and all the sailors cursed him. They took the albatross that fell on the deck, tied it around his neck, and they made him stand tied and uh, to, for the elements as a punishment. And the boy stood on the said, water, water everywhere, but ne'er a drop to drink. So we're surrounded completely by water, but we don't have any water on board the ship. So we're dying of thirst in the middle of water. So Prabhupada just, he quoted that poetry. And I thought, wow, Prabhupada knows a poem that, I'm English, I don't know that poem. Well, I, I sort of, yeah, but he said, but uh, he knows that, he knows about, so um, Prabhupada spoke English, and how can you say that that's not an influence of Britain being in India? Had Britain not been in India, would Prabhupada have spoken English? I doubt it. So history affects all of us. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he comes, he's saying, history will affect you, so at least make sure that you take shelter of that stream of thought, that stream of consciousness, that Krishna consciousness, which can actually help you uh, the most. So he's made a deliberate uh, <clears throat> choosing. Um, and um, much later... Can I just, can I have three minutes to talk about Srinivasacharya? I'm looking at Sutapa here, he's the, okay. So, Gangadhar Bhattacharya and his wife Lakshmi Priya, they had no children. They went to Puri, they got a blessing from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He came back, he was absolutely a sold out devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So much so that the villagers called him Chaitanya Das. They had a child, the child was named Srinivas, the child was taught by one Dhananjaya Vachaspati. Dhananjaya Vachaspati said, I don't know how he's doing it, but this child, he knows everything already. It's just like I'm helping to bring it out of him, but he's, he knows everything already. So then um, he contacted Narahari Sakar, and he said, you go to him as your guru, your Shiksha guru. So he went to him, and Shiksha Guru becomes Diksha Guru. He said, will you be my Diksha Guru? Narahari Sakar said, no. Okay, no. He said, I want you to go to Gopal Bhatta in Vrindavan. Now, of course, Gopal Bhatta Goswami and his realizations tie in because today is also the first day. Breakfast time, before breakfast, around about 3 o'clock in the morning, this morning, something happened. You know what it was? Gopal Bhatta Goswami went to his Shalagram Shilas and he looked in the basket and he found Sri Ramanji. Sri Ramanji. He found Krishna. He found that the big Shilas had become uh, one beautiful deity. So that happened today. So here's Gopal Bhatta. And um, Narahari told him, first go to uh, Puri to meet Lord Chaitanya. But here's a story. Sometimes you meet devotees. Well, you know, I was initiated by this one, and then I was initiated by this one, and then I was initiated by this one, and I'm so disappointed. This is a story of potential disappointment. Listen to this. So he goes to meet, um, he goes to meet Lord Chaitanya, but he discovers that Lord Chaitanya has already left the world. So he takes shelter of Gadadhar Pandit to study the Bhagavatam under him. But the Bhagavatam had been 
pretty much destroyed because of all the tears of Gadada Pandit had dissolved the words on the page. So he said, you can get another copy. So he went to Bengal to get the only other copy from his Shiksha Guru, Narahari uh, Sarkar. But when he came back to Puri, Gadadhar Pandit had also left the world. Now what was he to do? So he sent, Sanatan Goswami then sent a message through Narahari Sarkar, please come to study with us uh, in Vrindavan. But as was the custom, he was walking, and he was walking very slowly, and he was visiting many holy places along the way. So when he came to uh, Vrindavan, he discovered that both Rupa and Sanatan had left the world. This is a terrible, terrible thing, but he studied under Gopal Bhatta and Jiva Goswami and eventually became a disciple of Gopal Bhatta Goswami. In a ceremony, Jiva Goswami, after having taught him everything, he gave him the name Acharya, title rather, not name. So he became Srinivas Acharya. And then along came two other great sadhus to Vrindavan. Who? Shamananda and Narutam Das Thakur. So the three of them, uh, we see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had demonstrated pure love of God. The six Goswamis had written about love of God. And now these three are going to distribute love of God. You see, that's the progression. To demonstrate, to write about, so that that knowledge can be conveyed, and then to convey uh, that knowledge. So then that's another uh, whole story. Uh, it's also the appearance day today of Parameshwari, Parameshwari Das, who was said to be um, the second body of Nityananda Prabhu, and who was one of his confidential uh, associates, and was a, a great preacher, and was also in the entourage of Janava Mata when she went to Vrindavan uh, for the last time. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Maravendra Puri ki jai, Srinivasa Acharya ki jai, Sri Parameshwari Das ki jai.